Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. We're in the heart of March, which means we're in the heart of March Madness. The tournament is just days away, hours away, really, depending on when you're listening to us. Couldn't be more excited as we are every year in other sports. As we always say on the show, nobody circles the wagons quite like the National Football League. And of course, the day of selection Sunday Drew Brees decides to announce his retirement and take away any of the news from the Selection Sunday announcements. There's been quarterback movements, wide receiver, and other free agency movements. Tons to talk about on that front, as always. But as we always say, it's exciting for us when we get to talk about college basketball and for people to actually care. And on top of that, we're recording on the night of St. Patrick's Day I'm drinking a little Jameson. Hopefully by the end of the show, I get a little buzz going and we could have some real fun while we talk about whatever happens on new report, old report, starting with March Madness. The brackets were released. Syracuse, friend of the show, in. Duke, friend of the show, I don't even think mentioned on the broadcast, rightly so. Not a lot of hair-pulling moments It was mostly, we know who the best teams are, and I'm not too worried about where other teams are placed because of how crazy this year has been, but we can start with the overall look of what the bracket looks like, and if there's anything that you thought stood out, either good or bad, when the dust finally settled on Sunday, getting us prepared, finally, for an NCAA tournament. First of all, Johnny, great to be with you. I didn't know how I would feel about the tournament because we've discussed time and time again, how this has been the one sport that I think has been hurt the most, not just the sport, but the college sport uh, of the bunch because of the fact that it's played more than once a week. So you don't have that much of an attention span to it. And with no fans or very few fans, it almost seemed like they were scrimmaging versus NCAA football, where regardless, once a week, every game matters. We're only playing 10 of them, et cetera. Everything mattered. It mattered huge. And even though we missed the crowds, the games went on almost looking like they would almost always normally look. It hasn't been that way with the NCAAs. And you've had games canceled, games rescheduled, games not replayed at all. Teams obviously hit by the virus, as we had with the NCAA football, and we had with MLB, and we had the NFL. But everybody played on. But this was, as I said, without a doubt, the sport that lost the most of its luster. But I'm fired up. 
I'm fired up for a few different reasons. Uh, obviously, because the Qs made their way in. I think that's very cool. Uh, they were bubbleicious. Uh, so daylight, the second coming up, Mr. Bubble. Uh, doesn't leave a bathtub ring. For those of you kids who used to bathe in it, with it, uh, they were my age. Uh, that's what you took your bubble bath with. That's what you took your bath with. Well, in the last 10, 12 years, Syracuse has literally lived on the bubble for the most part. Uh, and they found their way in without much of a doubt being 11 seed, taking on San Diego State. Uh, so I'm thrilled about that. They could be one and done or they could do some damage. We will see uh, in the Midwest come Friday night as they take on a pretty good uh, six seed in San Diego State. But what I'm also excited about is I'm excited about the venues. First of all, our, our first four is not last night and tonight. Our first four is all tomorrow in one shot in two different venues. And instead of Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we go Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So I don't have to worry about missing two days of games, working two days. I don't have to worry about missing one day again. But I also love where we are. I am fired up for the venerable old Hinkle Fieldhouse, where Butler plays, the legendary Mackey Arena, where Purdue plays, and, of course, Assembly Hall in Bloomington, Indiana, where the Hoosiers play. I'm not crazy about any of those teams, but I love the arenas. I love college basketball venues. I love the fact that they're all in Indiana, that these are sites that have a great deal of you know, basketball cachet, and that obviously there are others, which you're going to mention shortly. Uh, of course, the big one being uh, where the Colts play uh, in Lucas, which is massive for basketball. But these are old-fashioned arenas. We're not all over the country in pods. We don't have teams scattered for travel purposes. Uh, with the pod system, which I always thought was ass nine. We don't have different time zones. Everybody's in one spot. Everybody's in one time zone. Everybody's an hour behind us. And we are all playing in college basketball sites with the exception again of Lucas, where the final four will be. And you know, uh, which you're going to tell us later uh, that the, uh, the regional semis and I assume regional finals will be, um, but I'm excited about that, and I'm fired up. I'm fired up. I think it's going to be an interesting tournament. I hope that no one loses a team. We've gotten through Tuesday night without any, repl- without any replacement teams being required. So everybody's made it there. One of the Oklahoma kids is going to miss the first couple of games if they do play two games, uh, which I think they will because they're pretty good. So, so far, so good. The only concern I have now is we're at the stage where if someone can't go because of a massive spread, nobody slips in. It's it's like tennis. It's a default. You are done. You are out. And whoever you're supposed to play simply moves on, just like in the ACC tournament when Virginia could not go, like in the Big 12 tournament when Kansas could not go, and, of course, when, when Duke could not go. Um, they deserve a minor mention. So – that's the route we're going to take, and hopefully it does not impact the tournament. But I'm excited, and I think it's going to be I think it's going to be terrific. And I hope it brings interest back because obviously it waned during the regular season and the conference tournaments. 
I'm hoping the fact that, you know, obviously we get all the games, we get them all in the same place, we get them on the same time zone, that'll get people excited about college basketball again, whether it's their brackets, their teams, or whatever, and we'll have a great tournament. I think we will have a great tournament, but I'm hoping people get excited about it because that helps make it a great tournament. I hope so too, and I hope that just turning on the games for the first four gets that pulse beating of what's to come because as you mentioned, when the games are being played, the majority of people aren't working weekends. So you have plenty of time to sit down and get to watch them. And it's exciting. Once everything gets going, I still miss to take a page out of the old report a little bit. I wish there was this option to watch the games on quote unquote one channel because there was something thrilling about having on CBS, having the scores at the top of the screen of the game, other games that were being played. And then screaming, screaming, switch. switch, Exactly. If the game was warranted, you're watching the final seconds. You don't know if there's a timeout. You don't know if they're actually still playing and you're screaming, switch the game. And then they switch and there's 10 seconds left. There's a team down two dribbling at the three point line and you get to catch the buzzer beater to win or lose the game. There was nothing more thrilling than that moment of, will we get to see it? And then what's going to happen once they switch to the game? I wish that was an option. We have tens of thousands of ways to watch these things. Whenever there's a big sporting event now, you could watch the regular feed, the home feed, the away feed, the field feed, the coaches sitting in a press box feed, guys at a bar watching the game feed, 50 different ways to watch the game. And nobody's come up with this way, the old-fashioned way, to just watch one game, the game, if you will, and then have the other games kind of come in like a red zone. I think that would be thrilling to watch. So who do we have to call? Westwood One, obviously. They're the people that run everything. We got to get them on the phone. Wait a second. You're the new reporter. I know. You're sounding like the old... You want him to get off your lawn? Well, the biggest I mean, challenge we have, like Al, me. you know this. Now we got to find out you're where the hell truth is. You're sounding like the guy who used to call WFAN the next day or that night and rip Andrea Joyce to shreds. I say, what is she doing in the hostess chair? Because she's clueless. She looks like a deer in the headlights. And why is it when every time you know, I, I work all day, I catch what I can, and then when I come home, I can't get a game. When I'm home at 5.30, I can't get a game. I got nothing. Except Andrew Joyce telling me what happened. Yeah. Why can't I get a game at that time? I would scream bloody murder every year. Year in, year out. Why? By the time I got home, it was all dead air. Nothing. Couldn't get a game. I had to wait till later in the day. Why can't I get something when I get home? Nope. 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 So now, we all get it constantly. And it's... Not the way it used to be, but you can't have it both ways. You can't bitch about you know, get into that game earlier or change over to that game when all you got to do is flick your remote or you know, whatever you want to call it that you're watching it on. Or if you got your multi TV setup, whatever the case may be, they're all right there for you. Well, first of all, and, you have to find where true TV is. That's half uh, the look, battle. That, that is very exaggerated. I never have any trouble finding that. That sounds like Chris Russo. I never have any trouble finding true TV and who is more technologically challenged than yours truly. Now I do have my son to assist me, which is a huge addition. All right. Basically it's like giving the puck to Gretzky. But the point is, you know, if I can figure it out, 
then anybody should be able to figure it out. And I'm excited. I think it's going to be terrific. And I love the fact that it is really a wide open tournament uh, with the exception, if you want to say Gonzaga, but a lot of people aren't sold on Gonzaga because of the conference, because of the schedule, although they played everybody and they played Kansas, they smoked them. They played Iowa, they smoked them. So you know they've, played everybody they could play they scheduled Baylor it got canceled because of the virus so Gonzaga does everything they can to make up for the fact that they are in at best a mediocre conference they are undefeated and they are seeking to become the first team since the 1976 Indiana Hoosiers ironically to go undefeated from beginning to end from out of the gate to the finish line and if they do so ironically like that Indiana team, they will go 32-0, and and it will be done where else? In the state of Indiana. So a little bit of irony there, and it's an, it's intriguing to see if they're going to pull this off. Again, Kentucky couldn't do it. Wichita State couldn't do it. Larry Bird's Indiana State team could not do it. And you know, UNLV, which was defending champs against Duke, in the semifinals, who they had crushed the year before, could not do it. We'll see if the Zags and Mark Few can finally grab that brass, brass ring. Obviously, this is their best opportunity. They're the best team. They're the overall one seed. They've got the easiest road, even though they have Kansas and Iowa there, who they already beat. But Kansas, obviously a seasoned team, always tough in the NCAA. I love Bill Felt. I think he's the most underrated great coach in America. He's certainly the most maligned, without a doubt. I don't think a lot of Iowa. I know they got the big kid uh, in Garza, who's probably going to win player of the year. But I'm not overly enamored with that club. But I think the other three regionals will be very competitive. The Big Ten, it's their tournament uh, with you know, four teams uh, you know, at the top of the heap. Let's see if we get a couple of them there. Now, I, I, I've got uh, a couple of them going, uh, but I have, I have to take a look at that again. But I think that uh, you know, obviously the Big Ten has been the best conference in the country this year, but I, I don't think there is a juggernaut in the Big Ten, in my mind, that I consider a, a favorite to win the national title. I do like Illinois a lot. I think they're the best of the lot in the Big Ten. And, you know, I do have them uh, going to the last dance. I got Illinois playing Gonzaga for the title. And that is, I just want to double check. That is the only Big Ten team I have going to the final four. Uh, I have Baylor in a chalk matchup beating Ohio state in the South, in the Midwest. Uh, I have a battle of the orange, uh, Illinois knocking off the Cinderella story, Syracuse orange. <laughs> Why the hell in not the, in the regional final in the Midwest, uh, in the East is where I get a little funky. I got some seats going down. Uh, I have Florida state going to the regional final and losing to Alabama. So I have Alabama going to the Final Four from the East, and obviously I have the Zags going from the West. I have the Zags 
uh, knocking off Kansas. Uh, I have one five twelve upset. No, it's not Georgetown. Uh, that would be in in my day picking Georgetown would be like picking the Russians. Uh, there's nobody we hated more. I have uh, believe it or not the Gauchos because I love their nickname, and UC Santa Barbara is pretty darn good, and I think Creighton sucks. So I've got UCSB knocking off Creighton in a twelve five game. Obviously they have Syracuse go. I've got to have them knocking off San Diego State in an 11-6 game. Those are my real big ones. You know, when I look through it, I don't have any real, you know, stunners of twos and fifteens or uh, you know, threes and fourteens. Uh, the one team that I would be a little worried about, not because I dislike them, I think Jay Wright's a great coach, but they've lost. They've always lost their point guard. Yeah, and uh, he was really the heart and soul of that team. And they've struggled since. So keep an eye on Winthrop. Uh, I am very curious to see how Purdue plays, considering the fact that they will not be leaving the state uh, in that bracket. Uh, you know, can they? I, I certainly would think that they would beat Villanova in the 4 5 game. Uh, North Carolina, Wisconsin, interesting 8 9 game, very intriguing. So there's a lot of stuff to look at in terms of potential upsets. Sister. Uh, Sister Jean is back in an 8-9 game against Georgia Tech. She's now 101 years old. Amazing uh, that she is still with us. God bless her. No pun intended. And uh, I, I'm sure she'll be there uh, to, to root them on against uh, she the is. She's down Georgia in the, Tech. She's down in the bubble. They got her down there, so she'll be in the I know she's had, I heard she had her shots. God bless her. Uh, and uh, I'll, be, I'll be rooting for the Ramblers. Also a great nickname. Love the Rambler nickname. I, I need your thoughts. You know, is it just chalk for you? Uh, do you try and get funky and say, you know, uh, I'm going to pick this 13-4 game. Uh, I, I, I like this. Uh, I, I like this 15. They can give the two a snootful. Uh, you know, this 3-14 matchup here. You're going to be Seth Davis, who every year. You know, I've had it with Seth Davis. Seth Davis is a bitch. He's a Duke bitch. He does the same thing every year. Let me find Syracuse and bitch about the a the fact that they're in, or b how they got a high seed that they shouldn't have got, and or c let me pick against them as quickly as possible. So obviously, who do you love? San Diego State. Well, yeah, obviously not only beat us, but let, let's take where Syracuse is and let's pick their six. That's the team I like to go and, and do some damage. You know, this is a guy who was so anti-Syracuse that a few years back, and I don't remember what Dakota State it was. Syracuse was playing one of the famed Dakota States. It's probably North Dakota State uh, in a either 5-12 or 4-13. Of course, uh, Seth the Beth uh, had the unmitigated gall to pick against Syracuse in that game. I think we were up 50, uh, you know, with about three minutes to go in the first half. So he'll just do whatever he can to bitch about Syracuse. So screw you, you panty waste. I'm so sick of that phony baloney. Take gas, would you please, Seth? Is there a sport with a more hateable ana- analysts or insiders than college basketball? Does it win the race for the most hated people that cover the sport? I feel like since there's only... Uh, handful that get the publicity that maybe the sample size skews them in that direction. But you have 
Brett McMurphy and Jeff Goodman, who who just seemingly root publicly for what they like or dislike. Jeff Goodman, Boston College hires a new coach, and he's ripping them on Twitter for hiring this dude. Brett McMurphy has had his run-ins with different sources, getting ripped by by people and teams. John Rothstein yesterday comes out and basically says, shut up and dribble and just be happy you get to play in the NCAA tournament to all the players that are in this situation, uh, locked away in their hotel rooms for this entire week. And the hashtag goes on Twitter, uh, going up against what he had to say in, in his commentary. They, they want to seemingly please everybody and be the stalwarts for the sport. And the way they go about it is, is just very curious to me as John Rothstein thinks he reinvented liked. the game. John, John Rothstein thinks the peach basket was hung up in his backyard. <laughs> hey, don't give him any ideas. Cause he'll put that on a t-shirt and try to sell it. The peach basket was hung in my backyard. Yeah, please. You know, and, and as for Seth Davis, just, it becomes so monotonous every year listening to him go through the same anti-Syracuse rant. It just gets tiresome, Seth. I don't know what he's got against Syracuse. No idea. It's not like you know, Syracuse is going to steal any Duke's thunder. You know, directors, committee directors got questions. What is Syracuse? Well, obviously they thought much more highly than you did because look where they're seated. They're not even in a playing game. So the room uh, was certainly contrary to your thoughts. And by the way, Seth, who'd you want to put in instead of him? Louisville? That would have been good. Similar. Good for my show. Similar record. Okay. But not playing nearly as well down the stretch as Syracuse was. The way you finish does does matter. And look, my alma mater is not a great team. At times, they're pretty good. And other times, they were lousy. Now, they did have to deal with the virus. Good chunk of the year. Uh, Beheim and Joe Girard both had it. It spread through the team. They had games canceled because of it. They lost home games because of it. So they lost opportunity for quad one wins at home because of it, You know, which also hurt their resume. And they were brutal on the road. There's no defense for the fact that they were awful on the road. Yeah. But, you know, when, when you look at the rest of the competition, you got to find 64 teams. People bitched about, well, why aren't they in the play-in game? UCLA is, is still better than Syracuse. And Michigan State, yes, they finished very beating the teams in the Big Ten. But look at their record. It, it is supposed to be an entire resume. Right. But the entire season is supposed to count. I mean, they were under 500. Syracuse is never under 500. Right. Root against them if you don't like it. That's the good part of getting a team like Syracuse. That's exactly right. Root against them. No problem. Yeah, right. and, no and problem. People love to root against the old man, and that's fine. Ranked 14th, by the way, when they broke down the basketball acumen as players. I saw that. All 68 coaches, coaches how bad. they would fare as players. That's not bad at all. I mean, not obviously. The, smile and the, Jimmy B, if people don't realize yeah. this, Jim Beheim played at Syracuse. He was the starting backcourt mate of the legendary old report, Dave Bing, Hall of Famer, who played the bulk of his playing career, his, his best years with the Detroit Pistons. They were uh, backcourt mates at Syracuse. And then uh, he went right into coaching shortly thereafter instead of playing in Europe or anything of that nature. Um, coach golf at Syracuse, assistant basketball coach, and then took the job when Ray Danforth left for uh, the Tulane job. 
But the funny part to me was when they went through the rankings, and I said this this morning to uh, the great Frank Isola and Brian Scalabrini, a.k.a. the White Mamba, the LSU coach was ranked 68th. Yeah. And because he never played. Right. He did not play at any level. He didn't even play. I played JV basketball in high school. He and didn't play that. He Wade golf. Davis's resume what? over the last couple of years is probably worth it. He's 68 too. And I said, the guys, when the players come in today to, to practice, they should all uh, write six, number 68 on their jerseys. <laughs> Absolutely. And see what the coach thinks. And Frank says, you think they'd be pissed? I said, ah, come on. He's got nothing to be pissed about. We thought he was going to be out of a job two years ago right. with the alleged recruiting violations. Not only is he not of a, he's still there. He's still there. <laughs> they're, they're, the, they're in the tournament. They're, they're not on probation. Nothing. They're in the tournament. And he's the still there. Uh, let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. Speaking of Jeff Goodman and Brett McMurphy, they do occasionally do very well reporting. Georgia Tech. I like Jeff Goodman as a reporter. I don't like Brett McMurphy at all. Georgia Tech will be without star big man Moses Wright for the Yellow Jackets' first round game against Loyola Chicago. Sources told me and Brett McMurphy. I'm assuming that has to do with contact tracing. A member of the Georgia Tech traveling party had tested positive or was part of the protocol yesterday, I believe, or Tuesday for people listening to get the day straight. We wondered whether or not that would affect the players, the starters, and I guess there's one of them. So that's another unfortunate chink in the armor for George. Terrible Tech. news. He's a very good player, player of the year from the ACC. If you and folks aren't going to get a chance to see him, um, you know, in game one against Loyola, player of the year in the AAC, dominated against Syracuse. Yep. Exactly the kind of guy that Syracuse has no answer for. Six nine. Uh, Six nine, six ten. If memory serves me correct, tremendous rebounder at both ends of the floor. Uh, eats glass on the offensive end. Stays where he belongs. He's mostly a low post guy, and does a lot of damage down there. Gets to the foul line a lot. Very, very good player. That's too bad. That's too. Bad. So a long-winded way to now answer your question. You would think this would be the year to have some fun and go out on a limb and take some risks with picks because it's it's been hard to trust teams this season in all conferences, especially for the ACC because we obviously follow that closer than the others. It seems like this year, whenever a team got a number beside its name, it was the kiss of death. Whenever there was a game where you thought, all right. Now they're playing X team, show us something, they'd lose. No matter if it was Virginia, Florida State, Syracuse, Duke, North Carolina, the better teams of the league, whenever you would start to get a good feel for them, maybe they're starting to turn the corner, maybe they're hitting their stride, they'd put up a stinker and lose. And you'd you'd wonder, well, who is this team? What's their identity? Who are they? Even Georgia Tech running the table in the ACC tournament. Now, granted, they got a little bit lucky with a couple buys. Teams haven't opt out, obviously, but they played good basketball to win the tournament. They finished the season strong as well. 
where was this in some of the earlier games where they got blown off the floor? And look at Florida State. Everybody raves about how deep they are, and Leonard Hamilton is a coach, and how hard they play and how well they defend. But against Georgia Tech, they couldn't score. And they turned the ball over 24 times. 25 times. Sweet Lord. And the, the game before that, it was in the 20s. And the game before that, it was in the 20s. Hold on to the basketball. Just, they just, and, and it was, it would, you know, as they call them unforced errors, there was a multitude of unforced yep. errors. Just incredibly sloppy with the basketball. And just, oh, well. Lazy passes. Oh, well. That's how they were. Passes, oh, well. One-hand passes. So I think the safe route is to just go mostly chalk and assume that if you're in a bracket pull at work, most people are going to do the same because they haven't, unfortunately, had enough chances to watch a lot of these teams for one of the reasons and for two these teams are the best for a reason some of it has been luck this season based on if your team was able to stay healthy and obviously as every season goes dealing with injuries health being coronavirus hoping that your team didn't get about of it and if they did it happened earlier in the season so you could get over it by now so it might be the easy way to just say just do chalk. And there's been years like that. It's not out of the ordinary to, to see a lot of ones or twos make it to the finals. Now, all ones is rare, surprisingly enough. Getting all four ones doesn't happen very often, but you could get three, you could get two, and you're not going to be that. You should still feel good about yourself if, as you said, for your bracket, you have Gonzaga, Pryor, Baylor. Your, we talked about the ACC. What are your thoughts on the strength of the big 10, how good are these teams in your mind? You know, uh, I think very highly of Illinois, uh, Michigan has lost one of their best players, which I think is good. Maybe their best player, uh, certainly offensively. I think that's really going to hurt them. I do like Ohio state. I think they can do damage in this tournament. I think they're deep. I think they're versatile. Uh, I think they're well coached. Uh, but I, I like Illinois a lot. I'm not crazy about Michigan. And I'm, I'm, I already said I, Iowa does nothing for me because uh, they can't, they, they just can't defend. No, they have, they, they have guards. They guard that's, that's it, really. So, which of these Big Ten teams do you like the most? Uh, which one do you think is overrated? Do you think is the best conference in the country? Uh, do you see anyone making an early exit uh, of that group? Well, you also wonder, too, if the Big Ten is really good when they play each other. They play up to the competition. The games are incredibly competitive. The whole conference as a whole does that to itself in all of its games. Maybe that's what's happened in the Big Ten. I wouldn't mind jumping on the Illinois bandwagon this year just for the fun of it. From what I've seen, they've played some incredible basketball. You're right with Ohio State. They've also had some some thrilling wins and some dominant wins to go along with that, too. Iowa hasn't really shook me to my core, aside from Luke Garza being a great player and having some good games. I think that's it's one of those instances where if he doesn't play well, they're screwed to me. Michigan as well. Eh, you know, that's, that's nice. I, I think the Big Ten has been the best conference, but... 
it doesn't have me shaking in my boots as they're all unbeatable teams. Now, if folks, that makes the, any sense. The, the, the team that I find intriguing and the player, of course, uh, both come from the same conference. The intriguing team to me is Scott Drew's Baylor team because I watch them play and these are grown men. These are yeah. big boys. There's no guys on the Baylor team. It's like it's saying. like this is the team we should see next year when the fifth year eligibility is okay, when the transfer portal's all right, when they just have a multitude of guys. It's like they knew this was happening and they just did it without having the extra eligibility rule. Everybody looks like they're 30 years old. These like guys are forever. built. They are grown-ups. They look like NBA players who have been seasoned and been in the weight room for a long time. These are big, strong men. And I worry about their ability to shoot the basketball sometimes. But uh, they're very well coached. Scott Drew's a good coach. We know about his father. His brother's got Grand Canyon in the tournament after, a uh, unfortunately, you know, a, a real short stint at, uh, at Vandy. Uh, but I think that uh, I think Baylor is uh, going to come out of that region. Uh, I like them a lot. I like how hard they play. I like the way they bounce back from the virus because uh, they obviously got stricken with it as well. They had to cancel a couple of games, including the Gonzaga game. They lost to Kansas. Look, I mean, Kansas can beat any of the country. It can beat anybody in the country. Kansas beat them good, and I think it was a good thing for them. I think it was, you know, I think it was a good wake up call. And I think they're ready and raring to go. They won the Big 12 first conference title for a Baylor basketball team, I think, in uh, 1950 or 1949, something like that. And the other teams, Kate Cunningham, who plays for Oklahoma State, who many think will be the first pick in the draft. Don't know if that's the case for sure. You you have to ask the Rockets as they continue to uh, go down the road to self-destruction Poor Steven Silas. I think they've lost, they lost 18 in a row. I think the Rockets have lost 18 in a row. Yeah. If that's possible, you, you can't lose 18 in a row without trying. I mean, you really can't. Cade Cunningham is by most accounts, the best player in the country in terms of you know, NBA uh, pedigree. And he is a do everything. Freshman at Oklahoma State, about 6'4", 6'5", good three-point shooter, good passer, good handle. Uh, They're the four seed. They will be intriguing to watch. He will be have all eyes on him every game that he plays. Very curious to see how he plays uh, with the bright lights for the first time as a freshman in the tournament. Because they lost, they made a nice run, and then uh, they lost after beating Baylor. They lost to Texas. And Shaka Smart, who, you know, hit the big time a few years back with VCU, and we really haven't heard much from Shaka since. got a lot of money to go to Texas, and hasn't done much. Now, they're a three seed, and I think they could do some damage. But a very interesting He grew his hair out, and now look what they're doing up in Texas. Yeah. That was it. Well, even Nick Wright are taking the same route. That's right. They both had... They, they both had their shaved heads and now they're both growing. Uh, but I think that uh, 
I think that Texas could do some damage. Let's talk about that conference. Give me your thoughts on the Big 12, which for years has been you know, Kansas's uh, playground. Uh, you know, 37 consecutive Big 12 titles are being facetious, but not far from that. They want to bundle a bit around. This year, Kansas down a little bit, but a four seed with Gonzaga. And Texas, a three seed. Baylor, a one seed. So, you know, the Big 12 is, there's a Kansas is a four, sorry, Kansas is a three. My apologies. But I would keep an eye on Texas. I would keep an eye on Texas, you know, in the East. I think they could do damage there. And uh, I have got them losing in the regional final uh, with Alabama going there. I'm probably going to be bullied into taking Gonzaga to the end and Baylor. And I don't think I'll go Michigan. I might lean Alabama, like you mentioned, and I'll probably do the same with Illinois and have them get to the final four. Illinois Illinois is really good. They are very good. But if I had to pick the game that makes my Gonzaga, I don't want to say hatred, my view of Gonzaga being Adam Morrison sitting on the court in tears, crying because he lost to UCLA is my view of how Gonzaga basketball is. My moment of 2021 for them would come against Kansas. I think Kansas would have the best shot to knock them off. There's Bill there's Self. There's Bill Self, the, the, the always maligned Bill Self. As I've told my friend John Birch, who I love to mention on the show because he's such a huge sports fan, and a Kansas grad. He was in Kansas with Jojo White. He remembers the game that led to the legendary Texas Western national title because it was Kansas in the Final Four that was ready to beat Texas Western with a Jojo white jump shot that was called no good because Jojo white's foot was out of bounds and Jojo white swore till the day he died that he was not on the sideline and they said no bucket and the rest is history as, uh, John's Kansas team lost and, uh, Texas Western went on to, uh, stun, Adolph Rupp's Kentucky Wildcats in 1966 with five all-black starters. So uh, I always tell John, you fans of the Jayhawks, uh, I mean, are so spoiled by this guy. And the argument is always, well, you know, he's had some major Who hasn't had major failures that goes to the tournament all the time? Coach K has lost the 15 seeds. Bayheim was the first guy to lose to the 15 seed. Well, they've all followed suit. I mean, Bobby Knight lost to Cleveland State. Yeah. Coach K lost to, was it Lehigh? You don't have to go down the list. They've all done it. You could pick Lehigh. You could, kick, you could pick Mercer. <laughs> you could, yeah, it it you happens could to all. If you go yeah. to the tournament every year as a high, as a high seed, eventually you're going to get upset in this tournament. That's the way it goes. Absolutely. It's a credit that you're there all the time and you're in the midst of it. And you know every once in a while, your team's going to pull a rock. There's our picks. As you know, fate accordingly and everything we've told you about maybe going chalk for this year and not getting too cute, maybe you should. (laughs) Maybe now's the time where you sit down with your girlfriend or your wife or a friend that doesn't watch the sport 
and just throw this bracket in front of them and say, here are the mascots. Here's the school colors. Here's where they play their games. You pick. Let's just hope everybody is healthy and the teams get through it with the lion's share of their players. Would you be shocked if a team or teams don't have to bow out? I would, I would actually be surprised if there wasn't at least one that has to, unfortunately not based on what we've seen all season and in other sports. I, I would be shocked. if I would be surprised if we get through one scathed. I think the first weekend is going to be the, the gauge. Because once they get down to fewer teams and obviously the hotels shrink and, and whatnot, we're in better shape. But I would be surprised if they get through the first weekend without either. And, and, I should and say remember, one team that either would have to bow out or one team that's forced to do this because you, you can still play with five guys. It's all you got to have is five. But there might be a team that's playing with five guys and two of them are walk-ons that have their warm-ups on for the entire year. And now they're playing well, the NCAA look, they're but the point is, you know, we hope that's not the case. Absolutely. I will not be shocked like you. I will be surprised if we make it through uh, this first weekend without any major issues. I'm not going to say defaults, but teams you know, losing some important guys. Yeah. I will be thrilled if, if we can do that. I will be thrilled because I think it's you know, important that this tournament is played. We all missed it last year. Most importantly for the players, uh, you know, this is a last chance for a lot of them ever to play and or to play in the tournament. So I really hope it goes off, uh, you know, without any issues or certainly without any major issues because the players are the most important thing. Absolutely. Which they tried to say today with that hashtag going against our friend, John Rothstein. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. So we've got about 10 minutes left in the show. We've obviously got to hit on football because the listeners that were here for that are seething that they've had to listen to a half hour plus of tournament talk. Get to the sport that matters, they say. So I'll, I'll leave it to you for the dealer's choice on what you think the most important thing or the worthy thing to hit on because it is the off season. So we will have plenty of time to dive into all these issues. Right. But we've got the free agent tampering, uh, timeframe that that has come and gone. And you last year, what did we hear about the chase? Let's run it back. Run it back. They brought everybody back. They brought everybody back. Let's run it back. They brought everybody back. We're going to do it again. Well, now that's what we're hearing from Tampa. Let's run it back. Everybody back. That was Bruce they Arians' did, big speech. They, 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 they did bring back Shaq Barrett, yep. uh, e- even though they franchised Godwin. To their credit, they have brought everybody back. They just resigned Brock. Obviously, the new Brady contract. They're running it back. That doesn't mean a damn thing. It doesn't mean a damn thing. Who was the last team to repeat as Super Bowl champs? Think fast. Fine. Think faster, Patriots. Patriots. Oh. We, we've still got plenty of movement to go. Uh, to new teams. Obviously, A.J. Green, who's a terrific player, but not what he used to be, is going to the Cardinals and uh, you know, going to help that wide receiving core. We've seen the offensive linemen make moves. 
one of the Jones, uh, one of the uh, the long boys came out of retirement to help bolster the Kansas City offensive line. Running back. Uh, uh, one of my, probably my best pass rusher, Matthew Judon, who went to the Patriots, is they're spending a lot of money. They brought in two tight ends. They brought in Judon. Uh, they didn't spend a lot of money to resign Cam. But the intriguing thing is still the quarterbacks. You know, we talked about Dak last week. You know, what are the Bears doing? What are the Bears doing? You know, this notion that they're going to trade for Russell Wilson. With what? There's only two teams that can trade for Russell Wilson. The teams that have two first-round draft picks. The New York Jets, Miami Dolphins. Because if I'm Seattle, I'm not trading Russell Wilson unless I get two first-round picks this year. And if I am Houston, I am not trading my superstar quarterback unless I get two first-round picks and a first-round pick next year. Now, Houston lost 12 games with Deshaun Watson last year. What the hell are they waiting for? Yeah. Especially now that the rest of the quarterback scenario is settled. Jameis Winston is staying in New Orleans. Cam is staying in New England. Taysom Hill is staying in New Orleans. The old man. As, as part of a restructured deal that they made seem was this lucrative $100 plus million dollar contract. And when you dove into it, though, it was really just moving around his money so they he's could bring three, it. He's getting $4 million. Yeah. And, and the second, you know, the, the, the remake of the old man in the sea is the old man in D.C. The beard. As the beard is going to the WFT. I love it. One year, twelve million. The Washington Football Team is brought in, is bringing in Fitzmagic. I think well, that's his ninth team that he's played for in three years. <laughs> the only the, the only real unsettled situation, with the exception, of course, of the Houston scenario, because he says I'm not playing, is Chicago. Yeah, which is, for lack of a better term, a mess. Do you what think that Andy Dalton is their guy or are they going to use him as competition fodder for Foles and Trubisky or are they just going to bring in? Yeah, really? How, uh, this has to be it, right? This is the trio. I mean, bring it back Jack one. and Cannon. Not that you know who he is, but you know, I, I know McMahon can't play anymore, but how many quarterbacks? You could, it's just a multitude of mediocrity at best. And don't get me wrong. I love what Nick Foles did. Remember, it wasn't just the Super Bowl. Nick Foles had one tremendous year with the Eagles where he threw for like, what was it, 27 touchdowns and two interceptions? Yeah, he was breaking Peyton Manning records like it was nothing. Phenomenal. So, you know, he can do it in short sample size. One season. <laughs> and, He's and a, a great relief drive. pitcher, a closer type. The defense doesn't know what's coming. He had, the, he had the one Cy Young season. Yeah. Then he went to the bullpen. And he won the Rolex. And he won the Rolex. He had the R.A. Dickey knuckleball year when the Cy and, Young and, Award and just pitched him then one Then he went pitch. to the bullpen. Yeah. And he won the Rolex Relief Man of the Year Award and a Super Bowl. But, you know, Mitch Trubisky is is a, is a train wreck. What, the Niners have interest in him? I, 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 don't, I don't know. I guess the Niners situation is still up for grabs. If, if, if I'm the Jets, I'm making my move. Yeah, They can use that draft capital and you know, bring in Watson and bring in free agents. And they still have the second pick in each round for the most part. 
in the rest of the draft. And quick, too, on the Patriots, I know people were intrigued because we don't often see them open up the checkbook like this. And the interesting thing in the NFL is when teams do this and they're the highest spending franchises for that particular year, there's not a big track record of that working in your favor to win championships. Is this Bill Belichick grasping at straws? I don't know if it's I'm not letting last year happen again. And this is how I'll try to fix it. But the the money that they're paying for these guys, Hunter Henry, three years, 37 and a half. Johnny Smith, four years, $50 million. Aguilar, two years for 26 million when he played with the Raiders for what? A million dollars last year? Nelson Aguilar, 13 million a year. And I like him. Kendrick Bourne, three years, $22.5 million. All these catchers of the football for a quarterback that can't throw it more than 10 yards anymore. And and these guys are, look, the Ravens drafted Henry. He's okay, but he's always injured. He's a nice player, but he's always hurt. Donu Smith disappeared on a team that had a handful of people to throw the ball to. They would throw it and to him maybe Aguilar once a game. Aguilar has though. been up and down throughout his career. Aguilar does I, not have like an arm to throw him the football like he had with Derek Carr. Cam's not wiring it 50 yards down the field like Derek Carr was, getting him behind the defenses. And in bounds. I, I, I agree. I don't know if we're in the minority or not. And it's not saying that they're bad players. No. But I thought they overpaid for some pretty good players. Cam Newton gets so, coronavirus and the season goes completely down the tubes. And I don't know what he's got left. It didn't look great. I don't know how healthy he is. It looked forced. It looked like painful at times. There were like cringeworthy moments when he would go back in the pocket and throw. And I'm rooting for Cam to succeed. I'm not, yeah, I'm like not hoping he goes out there and lays an egg. No, I, do I love how he plays. I, I love watching see, I him in his prime. If- you know, embarrass himself. His prime is over. His prime but I is would over. Like, I would like to see, I don't want to call him a reclamation project, but I would like to see him be an effective NFL quarterback. Yeah. I don't. I, I want him running less and throwing more. What I didn't want was him doing want him it on the Patriots. Anymore. That's what I didn't want. I didn't want his redemption story to come with the New England Patriots. I wanted it to be somewhere else because I hate the Pats. So you're bringing this in all be- these people to catch the football for a guy that what we saw last year couldn't throw it. This may be the this may be the last chance hotel. This might be it. And what did he get? Fourteen million dollars. When last year he signed for one million. It's uh, well, according to uh, Fox's wizard um, and and know it all, an insider. It's not nearly that. It's an incentive laden. Incentive laden. Okay. And nothing remotely resembling fourteen million a year. That's where we're at. We had a fun week where every day there was a couple different signings. Well, the other thing, the about. other thing that they have to deal with, and, and you know, their, their Hall of Fame all-time coach has to deal with, is it was the worst case scenario. Absolutely. You know, who was going to win the divorce? And Scales, it, to he, quote your lawyer he, friends, he, went couldn't have been heavier in Tom Brady's favor for this. He season. lost badly. He lost badly uh, because you know his, his guy left. They didn't fight to keep him. And I mean, he, he took a mediocre football. One team of his guys him. came back and Gronk. He brought him with him. Another yep. one of his guys came with him and it was a quick relationship, but Antonio Brown came with him. Yep. 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 And, uh, had a sting. 
Oh, more than Sting. More than Sting. Had a Sting because Robert now, Kraft, too, for being able to open the wallet up, open the fanny pack. We were paying everybody to get over here. You know, now you got everybody saying, look, we know who it was. He leaves and takes them to a world championship, and you don't even make the playoffs. You didn't make the play- playoffs. You didn't make the playoffs. Even close. And the lean, the lean for the storyline was always it's gotta be Belichick. Brady's a system quarterback. It's gotta be Belichick. So that was always the notion. It's 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 the genius. It's Belichick. And then Bruce Arian well, said this year, hey Tom, why don't you just kind of run the offense for me? Halfway through the season after you know threw him under the bus in a couple press conferences that he wasn't doing this, he wasn't doing that. Tom, why don't you just take the reins for a little bit? I'll I'll go over here and just be well, the Well, Bruce finally smartened up. He did. Because, you know, Bruce realized he's won nothing. And he had to go to a conference title game with Carson Palmer when they lost like 70 to 2. Bruce realized, you know, that you don't need Brady trying to throw deep downfield. All the time. That may no that, bad that, idea. That, that's not a great idea at his age. Folks, find true TV. Find TNT, find TBS, get CBS, get all your apps taken care Enjoy of. Enjoy Charles Barkley doing the tournament. He won't know anybody who's in it. It's the best part uh, of it. He'll, he'll ask questions about it. He'll try and figure out how to pronounce the names. He'll be fun because he always is. He'll be the star of the tournament. Auburn's not in it, which is too bad because when they're in it, it, it's twice as fun. He won't have any idea who he's picking. He has no idea who the coaches are, but uh, he'll be there at the desk having fun. And, uh, we want everybody to have fun with these next few days because we've been waiting for it. It's finally back. The first four tomorrow night. Enjoy it. Whether it's on True TV, TNT, or for all you may look for it, as my partner, the great John Tiny once said, have a blast. Bracketology is back. The NCAA tournament is back. Can't wait. Basketball galore starting tomorrow and throughout the weekend. Enjoy it for my big man partner. J. L. John Tiny Lunt. I am El Renato, aka Alpha Flights. Have a great NCAA tournament weekend, everybody. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern Time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well, or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>